You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Thursday edition. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt and I. We're talking offensive linemen today. Going to rank and look at some sleepers and just break down this offensive interior offensive line class for the 2021 NFL draft guards and centers. We talked offensive tackles yesterday, Matt. But before we get to this, some pressing NFL news. Former number one overall draft pick, Jadavian Clowney, has a new home. He has signed with the Cleveland Browns. One-year deal. What an odd career for Jadavian Clowney, by the way. A one-year contract now after he passed a physical, according to Ian Rappaport. And he has bounced around quite a bit recently. Um, there was rumors that the Browns were in on Clowney for a little bit, and it sounds like finally they decided that they were going to take the plunge in another one-year deal after a one-year deal last year, and he was holding out for big money last year, didn't get it, sort of a, a lost season. So I don't even know what to think about Jadavian Clowney anymore. One of the oddest careers for a guy with a, as much talent as you could ask for for uh, you know, for an, an edge player with his physical ability. Yeah, I mean, first overall pick, I mean, looks like the Predator. I mean, he has amazing flashes. But what, this is his fourth team in a year and a half or so? You know, I mean, <laughs> that, that's not the, the two years. I mean, that's that's not a great sign. You know, none of the teams uh, went bent over backwards to bring him back. And I think it's really important that you know what he is. You know, like, he's not. Von Miller off the edge. I mean, he is not an edge bender, no. pure pass rusher. He's a disruptor. I mean, he he causes problems, and he's an edge setter. I mean, he's very good against the run. He has long, powerful arms, big hands, can control his blocker. But he takes a lot of plays off. I mean, his bad tape is bad. It's as bad as his good tape, so there's some inconsistencies. <laughs> right. His injury history is extensive and could be chronic. So one-year deal is the way to go. And from what I understand, don't quote me on this, I think it's worth $8 million up to $10 million. So I would want a lot of incentives packed in if I'm going to invest in this guy. Uh, he He's not really for me. Do you think this plays into draft strategy for the Cleveland Browns, where they're looking at the draft and they're thinking, okay, there's defensive ends, and I think we have both mocked defensive ends to them in the first round. Is this them saying, you know, maybe we're not going to go defensive end now in round one. We want to get that need taken care of because we might want to go a different direction here in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's part of the reason I don't like it too, because, I mean, they know more than, me do, than, than we do, of course. But where they pick is a pretty good spot for pay or Oway or one of the Miami guys. Like, I think that's a pretty sweet spot for edge help. I also thought it was their biggest need before this signing. So that doesn't mean that they're going to be totally out on edge players. And they did sign Tack McKinley too, who's another one that's been underwhelming. Um, you don't need a superstar opposite Garrett. So I guess they could still address it, but they don't have a lot of team needs in general. I mean, they kind of just addressed their biggest one. Um, I would have preferred to use my first round pick on it though, and use this money somewhere else. 
And it is just a one-year deal, and I guess for teams, and this is the way I would probably want to do it if I was a GM, you want to go in the draft without any glaring needs. You don't want to be forced into defensive end, but it's a one-year contract, They could and his injury history, as you've noted, they could still absolutely take one. So maybe this is just the smart way to go about it. Needs checked off, you roll into the draft. Who's the best player? Let's draft him. Yeah, it could be. I mean, maybe they love... JOK or Zaven Collins. I mean, I could see an off the ball linebacker now being, you know, a, a possibility as well. Maybe that even go receiver, but you're right. I mean, I, I often praise GMs for eliminating needs going into the draft and that was their biggest need. And, you know, I, I don't know if they'll get their money out of them. The last couple of teams haven't, but he's a very disruptive player at his best. I want to talk real quick before we get into interior offensive linemen about a couple of quarterback notes recently. Albert Breer on Monday Morning Quarterback was talking about teams that were interested in Stafford and some of the offers that were made. Uh, The Panthers apparently offered the eighth pick plus Teddy Bridgewater plus a fifth round pick. Washington offered the 19th pick, a third rounder and a starting player. And the Broncos kind of kind of lowballed them, but were in on it as well, offering the ninth pick, but wanted a second round pick back. For Stafford, hmm. and obviously the Rams ultimately won with the two future first round picks. I don't know if I would. I think I might have even taken that that Panthers offer for the eighth pick this year. You have seven and eight this year if you are the Lions. I don't know if uh, you know those two future firsts that it might be very late in the first round. They must have really liked Jared Goff. That had to be a big part of it for the Rams, obviously. But um, numerous suitors for Matthew Stafford, and those teams are all very much in on quarterbacks. Which brings me to. Charlie Casterly, former NFL GM's mock draft that was released today at NFL.com, which was interesting. He had Washington moving up from 19 into the top 10 for a quarterback, and that quarterback was Trey Lance. Mac Jones going to the 49ers at three, and drumroll, Justin Fields falling all the way to pick 24 in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your thoughts, Oh, man? dear. Wow. Um <laughs> A lot to unpack there, and you said it. I mean, just talking about those Stafford trades, it makes me think the Lions, and remember, their GM came from the Rams. They do like Stafford more than just, it's it's not an Osweiler situation where we'll take him off your hands, and I, I bet they do have hope for him, which is warranted. I had no qualms with that. I don't understand. I mean, you hear these rumblings that Fields is rubbing people the wrong way, and he could fall. I'm just not buying it. I mean... Watch this guy on tape, and he's been such a high-profile guy now since high school. He's still my number two quarterback. I mean, trust me, Steeler Nation would gladly welcome him with open arms. I just don't see it at all. It's it's hard for me to believe. And you've got Chicago and Washington that are at 19 and and 20, and you have fields falling all the way to 24. New England, right. And, And, yeah, New England passed, too, because... Actually, Washington, no, they didn't move up in the top 10. They moved up to 14 right in front of New England and New England still passed on field. So um, that's uh, I I feel like there's so much smokescreen going on with this thing with Mac Jones and Justin Field. It just doesn't feel right at all to me. Every single independent evaluator sees it a certain way. It's the same way I see it. It's the same way you see it. So I got to believe there's some smokescreen going on or, or NFL teams are just way off compared to every other evaluator that I trust in the NFL. It's madness. Um, one other note when it comes to first round quarterbacks is a guy that went last year. I was on with Peter Bukowski, who does locked on Packers, but he also does locked on today. And we were talking about uh, some things around the NFL earlier this week and off the air. We were just kind of talking about the quarterback market. And I know there's been rumors that 
the Broncos, and, and there was that Breer report about them making an offer on uh, Matthew Stafford. There's been rumors that they are potentially sniffing around Jimmy Garoppolo as well. And then mm-hmm. there's also that Packers quarterback that's not going to play anytime soon in Jordan Love, a first-rounder last year. Could he be the consolation prize for some of these teams that don't get a first-round quarterback? Wow. We haven't talked much about this, and I don't feel like I have a great finger on the, or, you know, on the, uh, of a pulse of this Green Bay situation, but this Rodgers-Packers marriage is a little rocky right now you Jeopardy, know Jeopardy i mean i'm not saying i didn't see that coming to being a game show host right right i mean i'm not saying that they're going to trade aaron Rodgers to denver i'd at least ask <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. this money thing they're not giving him what he wants and they haven't gotten him receivers and they drafted him a quarterback and now he's has a lot of power i mean jordan love might you know, dealing him might you know mend those fences or whatever, but there's there's smoke up there too with that in that quarterback room. I feel like Jordan Love is an obvious play for somebody mm-hmm. on the cheap. Because I mean, if you were Washington, would you give up your first round pick for him? No, I don't think Jordan Love's gained value from last year. But no, the Packers could do well maybe to get a second rounder rather than just having a guy sit for most of his rookie contract. Or make it a Wentz type deal. If he starts ten games, it's a first. Yeah, future you know? first. That 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 could be a deal I could see happening for a team. But, yeah, uh, I didn't love him coming out. So, I didn't either. Yeah, but I, I, still, that, that was the head scratcher of the whole thing. First of all, p- taking him for the Packers period was weird. Trading up for him, mm-hmm. I didn't see the need there, and I didn't really love him as a first round. I, you know, I thought late first rounds maybe where he would go, but I just wasn't. You know. I didn't love him because then you, you take him and now you look at this class and it's like, well, there's a lot better quarterbacks in this class than there was last year, you know? So um, I yeah. just don't know, but I feel the same way about Mac Jones. I don't see the love there and the smoke screening going on the quarterback movement. I mean, we're not even done with this, this QB carousel. It's not over. It's not going to get to the 18 new starters that we talked about earlier this off season, but uh, it's definitely not done spinning. That's an awful lot of movement and there's still more coming. I mean, it's a minor thing, but Teddy Bridgewater is probably not going to be a Panther. Especially if they draft a quarterback at eight. And I, I don't think that that's out of the question still. Oh, then I think it's a definitely done deal. Yeah. But I mean, I, I might even cut them just to save the seven million. Woo, it's going to be fun. More to talk about with that. Yeah. Let's get into the guys that protect those quarterbacks, some interior offensive linemen, guards, and centers in the 2021 draft next. However, in depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so or just the staples the things that everybody needs jumper cables do you not have jumper cables in your car go get some at rockauto.com engine parts brake parts oil whatever you need rockauto.com has it and they have reliably low prices such an amazing selection go to rockauto.com you will be blown away by the selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. So fix up that old car. Keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow locked on today on the odyssey app 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the the draft coverage we've got all off season long as well. Locked on NFL draft dudes, and of course the ultimate mock draft coming to its own feed near you. Look up that ultimate mock draft feed, and you're going to want to check it out because it's coming Monday. Hosted by yours truly, Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. We're hosting this thing again, Matt. It's a massive thing with Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, Jason Locke, and Flora. We've got some superstars helping us out this year, and of course, all the great hosts in college and and pro and college and uh, scouts here on the network. Super fun event coming very soon. Yeah, one of the highlights of the year for sure. It's a blast. Interior offensive lineman, Matt. You got anything here that you want to preface this before we get into the guards? Let's start with guards. One combine number that I think is very, very important, and it's it, it's, it's you know shown itself to be true over the last five, ten years, is short shuttle for interior offensive linemen. And people wouldn't think that, but if you're in protection against Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, you know all these great guys. They make you change directions very abruptly. Or if you double a nose and get to the second level and you're trying to hit a man that's 60, 80, 100 pounds less than you and much more agile, you got to be able to change directions. So one thing that I've noticed, and I urge people to do this, is any offensive lineman that ran under ran four or five or better in the short shuttle at the combine really have had a great hit rate. So I went and I went through every pro day and I found who who ran better than a four or five at pro days. And it's not quite the same, but it's sort of apples to apples as a combine. And I came up with four names and two of them are real well known. Uh, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin, Whitewater, mm-hmm. really fun guy. And we can, we'll get to him. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. To me, they're two of the elite center prospects here. They were 447 and 446. And two others that are a little bit unknown is Pitt center Jimmy Morrissey and Channing Herring for Chandon Herring from BYU. Both those guys were 446. So anything sub 45 is elite. And the hit rate is just really high. So I want to throw those four names out there for people. And especially for teams looking to run a zone running game and, yep. and they need that athleticism and, you know, you've got to go out and reach guys at center. So, you know, smaller, quicker guys at center. The 10 yard split is usually a good number to look at, too, with the 40 yard dash and the three cone stuff. But I agree the short shuttle, you know, you've got to you've got to get out. You've got to reach blocks and you've got to hit moving targets on the second level. So those things are very key for some interior offensive linemen, specifically with certain schemes. So if you're mock drafting and you're looking at, uh, say, Alabama's Deontay Brown here, that is a, a guard that could go on day two and he's 344 pounds and ran a five, five, seven in the 40 yard dash. Like the zone teams aren't going to be interested in that guy at all. No, he's a masher. He's an old school power run game player. Right. And not for everyone. So there's a lot of different kinds of offensive linemen. And I urge people, though, just go back in history and look at those sub four five shuttle guys. They say they got a real high success rate. You mentioned some centers there, and there's some crossovers between centers and guards, but we're looking at Elijah Vera Tucker could be a tackle. We're looking at him as guard. Alex Leatherwood, he's going to be in the guards with us. Landon Dickerson could play center, but he's going to be in the guard list with us. So that's sort of you know where we're going. So if you don't hear a name yet, it's probably because they're in the centers list or they were yesterday in the tackles list. But let's start with the guards. I think overwhelmingly everybody loves Elijah Vera Tucker. It's not a done deal that he's only going to play inside. He could play on the outside, but 6'4", 308, 32-inch arms, I think that projects in most teams. I mean, 
when you see the 32 under the arm length, the teams are going to put you at guard. That's just the way the NFL is going. I think there's maybe one or two starters in the entire league out of the starting 64 tackles in the NFL that have arms that were below 33 inches. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, he was a guard that went to the left tackle last year, played well, but looks much better at guard, more natural, um, had a little bit of trouble with speed and some of those guys off the edge at the, at the tackle position. I think he could do it, but I think he's a very, very solid pick. Like I often see him mock the Minnesota in the middle of the first round. To me, that's just a leadoff double. That's just a solid start to your draft that I'm sure he's going to be a success. And might be the only guard that Gets into round one. There's a couple. I already mentioned one Alabama guy. Uh, there's a couple of more, though, that are interesting. Landon Dickerson, who's had all the knee injuries and stuff. And at the uh, Alabama Pro Day, he was doing cartwheels. And so, I mean, the guy's awesome. And he would be absolutely, I think, a first-round pick if it wasn't for those injuries. I don't know where Landon Dickerson's going to fall, but he's got some versatility on the offensive line and is a fantastic player. He's got to pass those medicals. He's a masher. He's really fun to watch. Um, you don't see centers his size hardly at all, but he doesn't lack movement skills. He's a trendsetter for the whole line, but I think he has three serious injuries. So that's up to the docs. Which ultimately means I think he's going to be a day two player with, Probably. you know, day one tape. His partner in crime there who played left tackle is Alex Leatherwood. He's a freak of nature, 6'5", 312". He ran sub five 40 yard dash. He's got long arms too that would project to tackle, but everyone seems to want him to play inside because he's just, there's something missing with him at tackle, right? And I, it's hard to put your finger on what that is, but everybody uniformly that, that I trust that breaks down prospects and offensive line isn't necessarily my forte, but everyone, despite his physical gifts, and there's a reason he played left tackle at Alabama, they project him inside in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, I'm not, I haven't studied every snap of these guys, but I think he's a tackle. I mean, he's long enough. He's fluid enough. His pass sets aren't great, though. I mean, I think he needs work with his fundamental pass sets. And really, the thing about Leatherwood that stood out to me that no one seems to talk a lot about, but he finished that final run of his college career against awesome competition, obviously, playoffs, you know, championship game, playing at a very high level. So, I think there's a lot to work with. There are no such thing as sleepers, and everyone's known this guy since he was 16 years old, but I feel like he's being a little undervalued by the community. It's interesting, and I don't know why it's Alabama. I guess just because their backups are so darn good, and they're going to have another wave of first-round offensive linemen and first-round wide receivers, but uh, we've everyone all of a sudden now wants to draft Jalen Waddell ahead of Deon, um, uh, Devontae Smith, Smith, even though Devontae Smith is the guy that started not only over Waddle, but over the guys that were first round picks last year. You know, it's like you don't trust Alabama's coaching staff to get it right. And Alex Leatherwood was playing left tackle. It's the reason last year a top 10 offensive lineman and Jedrick Wills was playing right tackle instead because Alex Leatherwood was, you know, the bigger, longer, more athletic, looks the part, big time recruit player that was playing left tackle. And they might swap in the NFL. And it's fascinating to see NFL teams say, you know what, Alabama, you guys actually are awesome on the college level, but you got it wrong for our league. Yeah, you might be right. It's just fine. I hadn't thought of it in that, that light because the Browns draft Wills and put him at left tackle, you know, which he hadn't really done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw it in last year's first round. I mean, Judy was the more featured receiver, but Ruggs went ahead of him. Yep, and the exact same thing might happen this year with Waddle and Smith, yeah. which is fascinating. And Smith was 
the number one guy, really, even ahead of Judy and Ruggs as as a junior, too. So um, it's fascinating stuff. Jalen Mayfield, tackle, guard. He's a big old masher, 6'5", 326 pounds. I've seen him in the first round in mock drafts out of Michigan. I've seen him in the second round of mock drafts, but I think that's a clear top four when you're looking at guards here is Vera Tucker, Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, and Jalen Mayfield. Do you disagree? Um, I think Wyatt Davis is in that conversation. He played with a bad knee all this past year, so you might want to go back two years to watch Davis. Um, but yeah, for the most part, Mayfield to me, I, I, you've seen a lot of first-round buzz on him over this draft process. That's not who he is to me. He's more in this neighborhood of a second-rounder. He's young. He's under 21 years old. He's big. He's physical. And he's athletic. But I think he's not very refined. And we talked about Bama. This Michigan coaching staff, they don't get the most out of the players. They don't develop them the way that they should. I'm glad you brought up the Wyatt Davis injury because I was watching Ohio State and watching Wyatt Davis, and I thought, wow, this is the guy that people are talking about as maybe a late first-round player. I was out on that, so yeah. maybe I do have to go back to 2019 because I didn't see it. So now it starts to make maybe a little bit more sense. Yeah, because he was not moving around well at all. No, but, I mean, he's maybe the only one on this list that's a pure guard. He's not playing center. He's not playing tackle. You know, Mayfield might be a tackle. You know, Leatherwood might be a tackle. Dickerson, to me, is probably a center, you know. So that's most of the names that we see Attached to second round type grades, there's Trey Smith out of Tennessee. There's Ben Cleveland from Georgia, who's another 350 pound guy that actually timed and moved really well, surprisingly well <laughs> for how big he is at six six, you know, almost 350 pounds. But uh, any other names that are maybe sleepers in this guard class that you like, Matt? You just mentioned two mashers that tested really well. Um, another one is Banks from Notre Dame. He's another monster. I mean, there's a couple. King-sized, old-school, Jari Evans-type guards, you know? How do you see these guys if you had to rank them at the top just as guards and not talking about the interior offensive linemen because maybe we'll try to filter them all together a little bit later, but just with the guards, how do you feel about them gut if you were drafting and you had a clean roster, you just had to draft the best players? That's tough because, you know, I respect Dane's list and that's what we're going off of here. Um but I would have Leatherwood with the tackles. I would have Dickerson with the centers. So that makes the list a lot easier right. to navigate. So you it's just, just go, it's Elijah Vera <laughs> Tucker and everybody else essentially. Right, right. I'd probably go Vera Tucker, Davis, Mayfield, Brown. You know, or or Jackson Carmen's a game a name we haven't mentioned either. He's a tackle to guard. This probably doesn't have light enough feet to play tackle, but is a masher type guard as well. Trey Smith would be pretty high on the list though too from Tennessee. All right. It's, it's a pretty good class of interior offensive linemen, I think. And I think we're going to see a ton of them going off the board on day two and, and maybe just very few in the first round, probably just a, Elijah Vera Tucker and then a crazy run in round two and three and some intriguing center prospects that we'll get to next. Looking at the latest NFL draft props released at betonline.ag. My opinion would be wise to get in on this uh, Justin Fields 5-1 to one action at the third overall selection. Mac Jones favored there, no surprise. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson favored at pick one and two. First defensive player selected, Patrick Sertan. But you could get some better odds on Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, J.C. Horn, Micah Parsons. Maybe could Rashawn Slater usurp Penny Sewell and become the first offensive lineman selection. What about running backs and wide receivers? You can find those props and more over-unders when all these prospects will be selected at 
betonline.ag. Major League Baseball, Masters Weekend, NBA, NHL, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Go to the website now, use promo code Locked On to sign up and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Creed Humphrey, Matt, is the name that everyone loved coming into the year. It's the rare prospect that is the, at the you know, at the top of a position group that plays the full season and then stays at the top of a position group, especially this year in this weird COVID season with a lack of teams playing. But Creed Humphrey is the number one center on the board, and then he worked out like someone that you would want a, a top center to work out like. I don't think he's going to get in the first round area, but uh, pretty clearly consensus that Creed Humphrey is the guy, depending on who else you put, Landon Dickerson and some others, at the center position. But with the injuries with Landon Dickerson, I still think Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, 6'4", 300 pounds, great movement skills, is going to be the guy at the top. Yeah, and obvious wrestling background. I mean, he was a very good heavyweight wrestler, and you see that, and you love that from interior offensive linemen. Oddly, is a left-handed center. You know, you don't see many guys snapping left-handed, but that's a little bit strange, too. Um, but a big, square, strong body, excellent hand usage. Um, he was one of my um, short shuttle guys, very agile, but also powerful. Uh, I like him an awful lot. Four four nine on the short shuttle for Creed Humphrey. Right around yeah. five in the 40-yard dash, which is rock solid and pretty good vertical jump. We're talking about 33 inches for a guy that's 300 pounds. Not bad at all. So uh, all in all, Creed Humphrey, number one center in this class. I'm fascinated by a few guys. You mentioned Quinn Miners, the small school yeah. guy. Wisconsin Whitewater, who was the talk of Senior Bowl week, rolling in with like a mullet and a half shirt, which always gets people excited for some reason. Like NFL, for some reason, NFL people are so starred for originality that if you just like have a mustache or something, then you're good. Like people are going to love you. And, and the half so shirt, easy to dupe them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Quinn, Quinn miners had uh, the whole package Garner going to the senior bowl. It was like, who's this guy out of Wisconsin whitewater. And I, I, I don't know if his tape matched what the hype was at, um, at the senior bowl, but then he shows up at his pro day and was out of this world. It's ridiculous. 6'3", 320 pounds. He ran a sub-5, 40-yard dash. You mentioned the the short shuttle for him was sub-4.5, I think it was, right? Or, it was, yeah. or right around 4.5, 32-inch vertical, big hands, which is important for a center because you're handling the ball, even some long arms. Uh, I mean, just a, a fantastic all-around workout for a guy, and I think that probably made some teams that liked him at the Senior Bowl feel a little bit better because athletically, he's right up there. Yeah, I mean, he got to the Senior Bowl for a reason. You know, that staff saw something because Wisconsin Whitewater didn't have a season this past year. The whole season was canceled for COVID. He was a guard that taught himself how to be a center in this off year. Looks like he could do both. Very athletic. (laughs) And he does seem extremely personable. And, you know, there's videos of him that he goes to this fishing village or whatever camp in Canada and it looks like he's, you know, preparing to fight Ivan Drago in Rocky Three. I mean, his workouts <laughs> are like ripping down trees and that kind of stuff. And um, his tape was dominant as it should be, but it's been a while. And the Senior Bowl went a long way. I, I think he's really good, though. Really good. Those are the the, the clear, probably second round guys, and I've yeah. seen a ton of those. Draft simulators, you know, where it's PFF or the Draft Network. Uh, Pro Football Network mm-hmm. has one. There's a ton of those draft simulators where people do mock drafts. 
I would say 95% of the mock drafts I've seen come out of those have their team selecting Quinn Miners. So he's got the right PR person working for him. <laughs> Quinn Miners Everybody going to the third round, though, but I don't know if he's going to get to the third round after all. I'm not sure that he will. I mean, don't tell anyone, but him or Humphrey in the second round for my Steelers would really make me happy. I'm not mm. sure that they get past that neighborhood. Mm, okay, okay. So, so we've got uh, Justin Fields round one and Quinn Miners round two for the Steelers. Okay, I'm going to pencil that in for you right now. <laughs> Uh, what else are we talking about here after round two with these center prospects? I got a name I like. There's two names I like actually for the wide zone. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm scouting for the 49ers here. So I'm looking for those guys mm-hmm. with movement skills. And there's two that really stand out to me. And that's Kendrick Green from Illinois, who's Love even sub 6'2. He's 6'1 and 7'8, 305. But I mean, ran a 4'8, 40 yard dash and just get out and move. And what we talked about earlier is those movement skills getting out on the second level, second level, reaching defensive lineman with blocks I mean he has that absolutely low to the ground but can move in his 305 so I don't think his height is a problem at all although some teams might say ah sub 6'2 he's off my board you know which might just make him fall to the value area you know in the third round range and then Drew Dahlman who is the son of former 49er and Stanford center Chris Dahlman is another one of those guys only 299 pounds Dane Brugler loves him, has him in the third round. I thought he's more of the fifth round guy, but again, those movement skills can get out and and block and, you know, Stanford smart. So those are two names. If your team runs a wide zone type of a scheme, Kendrick Green and Drew Dahlman, mid-round area, those are your guys. I agree. However, I think Green is a lot closer to Humphrey and Minerts than he is a fourth or fifth round guy. I think he's very explosive and his jump showed us that his 10 yard split, but you see it on tape. He gets off the ball and yes, it'd be great for the, the Niners zone, but I think he could handle pretty much any scheme. I think he's a sleeper second round pick. Like he could be one of those guys that goes 60, 70th overall. And people are like, who's that? I'm like, ah, he, he's really good. Um, I'm with you on Dalman. I think he fits that mold very, very well. I also think think the uh, the Pitt Center, Jimmy Morrissey, who I mentioned, and the Penn State Center, Michael Manet, are also a little undersized, good movement guys, smart technicians that could stick. This is sort of like the the wide receiver class. There's like a lot of slot receivers. There's a lot of smaller, undersized centers mm-hmm. and interior offensive linemen in this class. I think Drake Jackson from Kentucky is another one, and, and almost maybe too small for some teams. I think he might fall a lot just because sub 6'2", yeah. 293 pounds combined, small hands. That's a bad combination for teams looking for a center. Uh, Dean Brugler likes Wow, his hands are only a smidge over eight inches that's that is that is very small for a center usually you're seeing 10 inches for hands for people who are are gonna be handling the ball like that so frozen uh, football in the wet buffalo day that worries me i feel like he might not even be draftable for a lot of teams because of that yeah yeah i mean he has some decent tape but that's small absolutely um Oh, by the way, Kendrick Green, guard versatility, too. And, and a lot of these centers mm-hmm. do have guard versatility, but Kendrick Green, yep. Green has good tape at guard and center. Uh, one name we have not mentioned in that day two area is Josh Myers, who actually does have some size. 6'5", 310, out of Ohio State. Yeah, and I, I think there could be, if I'm including Dickerson, there could be as many as you know five or six starting centers out of this class. Most classes, you get two or three. You know, I mean, there's only 32 of them in the world. And I think Myers certainly qualifies. He doesn't 
blow my skirt up as much as some of the others. I just don't think he has outstanding traits, but I think he's a very solid prospect, big school, big body, not super agile, but he's a good player, and I bet he's a starter somewhere. So to finish this up, you talked about how some of your some of the the ones were listed as guard, you'd have it center and vice versa. So if we were just stacking the interior class together, guards and centers, if you had to put money on it, what order do they get taken top five? We know it's Elijah Vera Tucker mm. one. How would the next four go for you in order? Who? That's not easy. Um, because Dickerson screws it all up. Like if I knew Dickerson was clean without red flags. He'd be one or two. Yeah, he's too easy, probably, right? Yeah. Okay. So and maybe say, even ahead of Eric Tucker. Let's say yeah. that your uh, your medical people come to you and say, "Hey, uh, GM Matt Williamson, we're going to give Landon Dickerson the okay. We're going to check that box on the medical for him. We think he's going to be fine. He's clear two for you. Maybe even a one. I'd consider him a twenty four for the Steelers. I'd consider Ooh. him at with as Lindsley's replacement for Green Bay. So then the candidates are Alex Leatherwood. Jalen Mayfield, maybe Wyatt Davis, and then the centers, Creed Humphrey and Quinn Miners, who's three, four, five for you? I'll go Leatherwood because I think someone's going to view him as a tackle and take him early. Then I'll go Humphrey, Miners. Miners. Miners over Mayfield? Yeah, and over Davis too. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel super strong about those ranks. Okay. No, I like it. And yeah, it depends on the team. Team it depends on the scheme you're running for these teams, medicals, uh, what you like in height, weight, and speed, and maybe just you know how strong their handshakes were, right? And the, who knows what right. uh, is going to be the difference maker for a lot of these day two prospects that are that are very tight. So it's going to be a fun group, but there's going to be a lot of them going in rounds two, in round three on the interior of the offensive line. And I think some of these really good players might sneak into the fourth, fifth round range too, for some of those teams, because it just tends to happen. The interior offensive line gets the, you know, the butt end of the stick when it comes to positional value in the NFL and teams are going to be falling all over themselves for wide receivers and quarterbacks and, and long lengthy pass rushers. There's going to be a run on as well into the twenties and thirties and, and maybe even the forties and offensive tackles. So uh, we'll see where these guards and centers go, but it's pretty good class overall. I think so. And if you include the tackles that we talked about the other day, I think it's a much deeper offensive line class across the board than it was. I mean, I, I again, I wouldn't condemn the Bengals at all for taking Penny Sewell at five, but when they're sitting there at the beginning of the second and third round, they're going to have Wyatt Davis and Mayfield. I mean, like there's going to be good dudes available. Yeah. If they go the opposite direction. Leatherwood. Leatherwood would make a Could lot of sense. Pair him with his old teammate at Alabama. Right. Take Kyle Pitts and Leatherwood. That ain't so bad. So, Matt, there's a listener question that I've wanted to throw out there for us. Maybe we should attack this one Friday before we get to the defensive side of the ball and some of those NFL draft rankings. It's from Ty, and he wants us to rank all the first-round quarterbacks of the last three or four years with this class and see how those all come together, kind of like we just did with the centers and guard rankings. And I think that will be a fun exercise. We should probably do that tomorrow. I am all for it, but how many years are we talking? We doing three? We doing four? We doing ten? But how many? We how many wanted to go? Ty says three or four years. So what do you think? Three or four? Let's go. We got to do twenty eighteen at least, right? So okay, twenty eighteen through twenty twenty one. 18, 19, 20, 21. So yep. we're gonna do four, four years. Four years of prospects, and this is as prospects. Not, like my Herbert tune's gonna change a lot, right? Not with what we know now, because I think that makes it way too easy. We've got to do it as prospects. Okay. 
Okay, that's challenging. Right, okay, cool. I'll remember. I won't cheat, and I'll remember what I thought of them then. Okay. Because <laughs> you can easily cheat. You could definitely cheat, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I know there's some some very good players, and I know how high you had them, so uh, I can I can assure. We could even do the, both. You know, how would you rank them today? Right, yeah, like, we could trade Baker Mayfield for Trevor Lawrence. Right. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. 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 Ooh, okay, yeah. I like it. Okay. Let's get into that All tomorrow right. and some more positional groups as well coming up. And we're covering the draft. Don't forget to subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft feed on all of your podcast apps. So you have that first thing Monday morning ready to go. Fun times. All right. Talk to you tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.